The Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 897, for Monday, October 25th, 2021. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your your questions. Sure, easy for me to say. Your tips, your cool stuff found. We take them all. We we receive them. We try to answer them or address them, and then we string them all together into an agenda so that we can share them here. With the goal being that we each learn, each of us, me, John, you, everybody that listens, everybody that gets to listen. Learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include, there are four sponsors. It is, we are in Q4, which means we generally will have a, a few more sponsors or a heavier sponsor load than normal. I, I, we generally limit things to four sponsors an episode, and that's what we have uh, for this episode. I, I'm curious, though, and in, in you folks can let us know, uh, I try to put the sponsors together. Uh, if we have three or less, I do them in one block. And if we have four, uh, we'll split them up into two blocks because four at once uh, seems to me like a lot. But I'm curious what your preferences would be. Would you like them all four together? Would you like all of them separate? Let us know. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. The sponsors for this episode are OWC with their Envoy Pro SX. Quip at getquip.com slash MGG, where you can get your uh, smart toothbrush and your first refill for free, which is, a, it's been a very cool thing. Like I've learned some things about brushing my teeth. I'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> upstart.com slash MGG and box of where code MGG gets you 20% off your first box. So yeah, let us know, uh, you know, cause it's our job to share the sponsors with you, of course. Um, and it's our job to encourage you to visit them. But um, beyond that, it's that's between you and them. We also put chapters in the show. So if you want to skip over anything, you know, a segment that's about a device you don't own or a sponsor that you already know about or isn't relevant to you, uh, feel free to use chapters. They're they're available in pretty much every podcast player. But let us know. Feedback at MacGeekCab.com. We'd love to hear from you. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. <laughs> And here in fearful Connecticut, trying to get caffeinated, <laughs> this is John F. Braun. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know if I've had caffeine today. I have this, this. I guess I have. I don't know if it's caffeine or like theobromine or something. There's this uh, tea that I have, uh, and I can't remember the name of it. it it's got like mushrooms, like lion's mane and, and reishi mushrooms and, and some hmm. sort of chocolate base to it or something so it, it probably has some theobromine or something but it it doesn't make me overly jittery which is good me and caffeine you know we have a delicate mm -hmm. relationship yeah <sighs> all right shall we uh shall we dive in how are you today mr brun dive in yeah all right we will uh we will dive we will start with the quick tips because I love starting with quick tips and listener Todd uh, shares his quick tip with us. He says, how cool is iOS 15? I just had my iPhone's camera focused on the address of a return envelope. I tapped the recognized text button, selected it, copied it and pasted it into MS Word on my Mac. Didn't even need to take the picture. 
Uh, yeah, I, I love that. That's like a, a confluence of all of the, uh, you know, latest Apple text uh, or Apple technology. That's what you get for trying to paste the link in at the same time that I'm talking. <laughs> but yeah, right. Like, that's really cool. That, you know, you scan with your iPhone, paste onto your Mac because it's on the clipboard. The clipboard is shared between the two devices automatically as long as they're both on the same network and uh, signed into the same iCloud account. I believe that's the that that's what what has to be in place for that to happen. And then the clipboard is just magically shared between the two, which is amazing. So, yeah, I I use I don't know. I know that I haven't used all of those features in one string together, but I like I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Braun? Yeah, I've noticed that too, where all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's, you know, this little icon saying, Hey, would you like me to read your text? Yeah. So I dig yeah. it. It's cool. That's good. Paul friends in the chat room is asking if the tea that I mentioned is called Holy Cocoa. I think it's called Holy Cacao is what it's called. <laughs> Um, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If, uh, if anybody's interested, it's, it, I, I, I found it on Amazon initially, but then it, it I don't know. I, I didn't, I couldn't find it there the last time I, I had to like go buy it from the manufacturer or something, but anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, but yes, good catch. Good catch. Uh, all right. Where the heck are we? What are we doing here? We're doing a show, right? Let's do a mm-hmm. show. Shall we? Last I heard. All right, cool. Uh, da- thankfully, we have some things prepared. David uh, says, I was playing around in reminders and found that I can group lists of reminders on the left panel on my iPhone by dragging one on top of another. I can also create smart lists based on tags and other criteria. I had no idea that you could do this in reminders. Like, that's very, very cool. Um yeah, thank you, David. I man, smart like that's the quickest of all quick tips. But I, if you're somebody that uses reminders, uh, that's going to be that that could be a game changer. I like it. Cool. Do you use iCloud reminders, John? No, no. Okay. Do you use any kind of task list or to do list or anything? Uh, I got a whiteboard in my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, sure. Yeah, I use. I, I have, um, I've always used BusyCal, and so I use BusyCal's reminders, and that, as of a couple of iterations ago, stopped syncing with what iCloud reminders shows. It still syncs with iCloud. It just doesn't show for iCloud reminders. Now, I can use iCloud reminders inside BusyCal, so it's certainly functional with that, but if you use the separate BusyCal reminders, you get a lot more features, including the ability to sync a URL across inside reminders. And that uh, is something I just, uh, it's so much a part of my workflow that I'll have like, like a little thing that says, go check this once a week, you know, go make sure that like all the, the ad spots have been processed the right way, whatever. Right. You know, and it's like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And I go to a link and it shows me the page. And so having that URL in the reminder is handy and, uh, at least based on the most recent release notes I looked at when I made the decision whether or not I wanted to standardize on Apple reminders, that was not an option to sync across. I was like, yep, no thanks. But I do have one Apple reminders list so that that's synced to everything, including all my BusyCal stuff, so that I can say, you know, Siri, remind me to do so-and-so, and it will appear on that Uh-oh. list. And then I can then nice. I can process it through, right? You know, so I try, I try. <laughs> All right, you want to take us to Bruce? 
Yeah. All right. So Bruce, um, Bruce says, hi guys. Hello. <laughs> um, from last week's episode where you talked about this, the phenomenon whereby you open the app store window only to have it not offer you updates. How upsetting. Um, that you know are pending. Command R in the app store will reload page, or as I like to think of it, refresh. And almost always shows what is really current and pending. And yes, I verified this personally, and I don't know if you did, but... It, it, when you did a Command R in the app store, did more things show up than showed up when yes. you launched it? So first of all, why is that the case? Like, why... <laughs> Why, when we go to App Store and updates, does it not do its own refresh? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so th- there's there's a question I have there, and I'll leave mm-hmm. it rhetorical, though it really isn't rhetorical. Uh, so if you're listening and you're the one responsible for that at Apple, you know what you've done and you know what you mm-hmm. need to do. Uh, <laughs> I um, this also reminds us that that like the app store is really just a glorified web browser, a very mm-hmm. sp- specific glorified web browser, right? Cause that's what's happening there. Um, I, I need to test this more. I, I, Cause I have been suffering. I, as I think all of us suffer from this, like the app store going to the updates window does not show you everything all the time. In fact, it is more often than not that there are things it, it is not showing me and, uh, and Mac updater does. And that's where this came up. In the last, uh, not mm-hmm. the last episode, but last week's episode. And, I, you know, I've quit the app store to fix this and relaunch and it still doesn't show up. Uh, you know, the only way I find these updates is by letting Mac updater take me directly to the page for the app. And then I see the little update icon. And of course, I, I click it. But mm-hmm. um, I think I've tried command R with this before and it has not shown me everything. But but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go in with beginner's mind here. And the next time that I see Mac updater telling me I've got a bunch of things that app store updates says I don't, I'm going to try the command R obviously, and I will report back. So I have not seen it do it yet, but, but there's hope, but it's still stupid. Like, why do we have to do that? We in the whole point. How long is it going to wait to show us those updates? I'll tell you the answer. It's going to wait a very long time. If ever, because I've left things there to see like, how long does it wait to show up and days have gone by and there's still like, the update's pending, but it's not listed in the updates updates. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm looking on this machine, so I'm not a big Mac updater user. Okay. But right now I'm looking and it says I have 73 updates. Okay. Well, it'll <laughs> it'll list which ones are uh, App Store versus not, right, mm-hmm. in Mac updater because you'll see... Uh, first of all, you have to in Mac Updater, you have to choose show all apps because you can have it hide Mac App Store apps, which I don't recommend because otherwise you won't know because the App Store is certainly not going to tell you. Uh, and then in the up once you're showing all apps in the update column, you'll see open App Store. And that's the thing that will link you to the App Store. That's how you know that those updates are there. So otherwise, it'll just say update app or manual update. And those are things that are outside of the app store that it either can update for you or it simply cannot. And, and, you know, you have to sort of update it on your own. But um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm a big fan of Mac Updater. It's one of my favorite little uh, little apps. So Um, listener Todd has a follow on to that. Uh, In addition, of course, to uh, telling us that we could use command R in the Mac app store like Bruce did. He says you can also do that. 
in system preferences software update to force that to check for updates. Now, this, I think, is going to be super handy. You know, on those days when you launch, you know, there's a new version of of whatever, you know, Mac OS that, that you're waiting for and it's not there. Uh, instead of, you know, jumping through all the hoops to get it to go through checking for updates, you you here's the trick. You cannot have the search box selected, which seems to be the default behavior. If you go into system preferences, software updates, that your focus is on the search box. If that's your focus, command R will not check for updates. You have to click out of that and then hit mm. command R and it will it will do the, the search for up your checking for updates, which I think is a huge tip. So thanks for uh, thanks for that, Todd and to Bruce. So fun stuff. I like it. I like it. This is where we learn. I'm already at five things, which I like. <laughs> uh, all right. And then, uh, I, I, you know, the, the perfect quick tip opportunity came up the other day. Uh, I was sitting on the couch with Lisa and she was like, oh, you know, our son texted us a, a little while ago. And I'm like, oh, what time did he text us? She's like, I can't see because I replied to him. So the time, you know, isn't there. And I said, aha, on your phone, if you swipe like hold and I'll say pull to the left. It's not a swipe to the left, but it's, you know, hold on messages and pull to the left. It will move the messages to the left and the timestamps for every message will be displayed there. So we were able to see that he had texted us like 45 minutes before. And I was like, ah, oh, we missed that. Do not disturb. Cause it was like, I don't know. It was like midnight or something on, I don't know, whatever night it was. And I, I, I have my, actually it's not do not disturb. I have my sleep focus kick in. I think I have it kick in at 1230 AM, but it, it has a 45 minute ramp up period or something. So it was, it was after that. So I, I didn't get the notification. Maybe I need to tweak these things, but anyway, yeah, I, I am finding focus to be quite valuable. So, you know, I, I remember over the summer when we were talking about, uh, I was 15 and you asked me about the focus and I said, no, nah, it's too confusing. It's, I was so wrong. It is not too confusing. It's awesome. I love it. In fact, Focus may well be the reason that I put Monterey on this machine in the studio much sooner than I normally would have because mm. to have a podcasting focus. So focus syncs amongst all your iOS 15, iPad OS 15 and Mac OS Monterey devices, right? Which is amazing. So if I put one device into a focus mode, all of them are your watch as well. So, um, uh, that that may be the thing. It's a dicey move because with audio devices, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a delicate balance up here, folks. But, you know. All right. Um, so we have we have stuff to talk about with the Apple event, uh, some follow-ups to the Apple event. We have Indeed. some qu questions to thing uh, answer. We have some cool stuff found. What I would love to do next is uh, we'll, we'll share our two, our first two sponsors, as we mentioned, and then, and then we'll talk about this Apple event stuff. And then we'll, we'll do some questions for you. If, uh, if that works for you, my friend, Mr. Braun. Indeed. All right. First up here is other world computing and the envoy pro SX. I've got one of these drives, man, the, the, you know, OWC, they obviously they know what they're doing over there. Right. And, they just keep doing it better and better and better. So the Envoy Pro SX is an extremely rugged, hence the X, portable SSD. Nothing is compromised here. 2,800 megabytes per second, both reads and writes. 
Obviously works with a Mac, also works with a PC, works over Thunderbolt or USB 4. Super rugged, as I said, and a super small footprint. Comes with OWC's three-year warranty. This is one of the greatest little drives that I've ever seen. And it's got an included Thunderbolt cable that, like I said, plugs into Thunderbolt and USB 4 Macs and PCs. But it's a cable, right? So you can unplug it from the thing, which means when you throw it in your bag or whatever, you don't have to worry about the edge of the cable getting crimped up or anything like that because, you know, you can unplug it from your drive. And I said it was rugged. It's certified as dustproof, dropproof, and waterproof. So that's got you covered. And it's compatible, of course, with encryption in, in both Windows and Mac OS, you know, File Vault and all that stuff. No fan, runs super cool. It's got an LED for power and activity. You got to go check this out. Go to MacSales.com and make sure you go check out the Envoy Pro SX. Super fast, super rugged, super portable. And our thanks to OWC for sponsoring this episode. You know, we're always talking about learning new things. In fact, we start every episode saying we're going to learn five new, at least five new things. I did not think that I had more to learn about brushing my teeth. And yet our sponsor, Quip, has taught me that I had plenty to learn about brushing my teeth because good health starts with good habits and Quip makes it super easy by delivering all of these oral care essentials and tips that you need to care for your mouth. And this is why the Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths. It's got these time sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses that guide you through a dentist recommended two minute clean of your teeth. I've been brushing my teeth for you know almost 50 years because I, I assume, you know, when I started out, somebody else was brushing my teeth for me. I don't remember, but let's go with that assumption. My teeth have never felt cleaner than they have since I started using Quip. And it's because it guides me through brushing my teeth properly. And I got to be honest. It works super well. It's super easy. Yes, it syncs to my phone. It uses Bluetooth LE. And so I get reports of how I brushed and everything, but I don't have to have my phone with me when I brush my teeth. I don't have to worry. I paired it the first time. And after that, it just happens in the background. I literally grab my toothbrush, put toothpaste on it, and I start brushing the same as I would with anything else. It takes care of the rest. And while I'm brushing, like I said, it's got those time vibrations that teach me when to move to the next section of teeth. You got to check this out really, truly. And if you go to getquip.com slash MGG right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash MGG spelled G E T Q U I P.com slash MGG quip. The good habits company are thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's, uh, let's go to Todd. Uh, no, not Todd. We'll go to Chris. Uh, we were talking recently about iCloud custom domains and and actually we were talking about the you know the Siri voice plan and we've got some comments here from those of you for whom this is perfect and it it really this is one of the things I love about doing the show is we get to hear from you know we come to this with our needs and and backgrounds and prejudices and you know all of that stuff uh, technology prejudices, you know, what I meant with that, but we have all of our prejudices, just how we are as humans. Right. And, and, you know, we're constantly trying to reevaluate those and you folks really help us with that because something that may or may not 
be applicable to us at, you know, our wherever we are in our lives or our level of nerddom or whatever it is works perfectly for you folks. And so uh, Chris starts us off here. He says, I just listened to last Sunday's Mac Geek Cab and I wanted to give some feedback about my custom domain. I am on the verge of being a power user, but I'm not quite there. He says, I love the term prosumer because that's really close to my reality. I've been sitting on a few domains. Hover makes it so darned easy to register, including a site that I bought over 11 years ago for the wedding site that we used for a posterist to post information and then photos after the fact. That site is my name and my wife's name dot com. And I've just kept renewing it, thinking it would be useful for something at some point. I know many of us are in this boat where we have registered domains and then said, hey, I know I'll use it in the future. Uh, he says, I never wanted to pay an additional five to ten bucks a month for email using that domain. So I was excited when Apple announced this feature using iCloud Plus since I'm an Apple One Premier subscriber. I set up my email during the beta when it went live. And once my wife got her new iPhone 13, we set up her new email address as well. I have uh, domains purchased for all of my kids. So I think I'll set up custom emails for them eventually. But since they're all still in K through 12 school, they mostly use their school issued email for logins and educational sites. I love having a new email that is easier to say, easier to spell. And it ensures that I only address if I even if I eventually switch away from the Apple ecosystem, which is true, right? Like, you know, your custom domain goes with you wherever you are. So, yeah, I, this is I like this. And it actually makes me think. You know, I have I bought domains for my kids a long time ago, too, and I'm wondering if I should map them to iCloud domains. If I was smart when I bought those domains, I would have mapped them to Google uh, apps for domains at the time because it was free for any domain uh, back in the day. Now, that is no longer the case, but uh, I don't think I did that for them. I guess I should check. Maybe I did. I don't think I did. I don't think I was that smart, but um <clears throat> But mapping them to iCloud, I mean, we pay for iCloud. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's good. It's good. Thank you for that. It's, it's enlightening. No, good point. And as you pointed out, I think, in our last episode, when we were chit-chatting, I have not done this. <laughs> Do you, Though I should have. Well, the thing is, actually, so, so you know, I, I still have an email with my ISP. Right. Well, I've done everything that I can to migrate away from that and mostly pointed at my iCloud okay. account because I'm going to abandon them someday because we have fiber here now and I may ditch. Sure. <clears throat> I may ditch my ISP, though I'm I'm pretty happy with them. A lot of people shake their fist at them, Optimum. I don't know why I've never had a problem with them, but, but you know, there's, there's a new game in town. People, people probably, it, it sounds like your, your experience with optimum is probably akin to mine with Xfinity slash Comcast, where I had great service from them over the years, never had any problem with them, except their billing practices, you know, just kept going up and all of that stuff. So that, and that's what everybody Likewise. seems to love to complain about with Comcast, unless you have some technical issue. And then of course, obviously that's a, you know, that's a different thing, but, um, but yeah, I was in the same boat as you. Yeah. But um, yeah. And I remember you and I actually, you know, we were having a uh, connectivity issues and, and I was actually pretty impressed and that I called them and I'm like, yeah, my, you know, my, my cable levels suck. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking at the Doxis screen and they were like, yep, you're right. And they came out and they sent a guy and he went, you know, up on the pole and yeah, he was like, yep, there's something wrong. We'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Yeah. Like, no, it, thank it, you. Yeah. They take care of it for you. Yeah. It, what, when I moved to fiber this year to consolidated fiber, I, you know, I got my, obviously we got everything set up and, you know, things were rolling and I was like, um, what else do I get with this? <laughs> You know, because I'm paying 70 bucks a month for gigabit, which is super cheap, right? Like, you know, compared to what I paid yep. for Comcast. And and I called up support or I messaged support, whatever it was. And I'm like, do, do I get an email address? And and they're like, no, no. We, I mean, you could. We'll give you one if you want. It's it's included. But most we found most customers weren't using them. So we didn't bother setting them up for people by default. Like, that's interesting. Yeah, because most people are either using like a, like Gmail or, or a custom domain or something like that. So do you not, are you not the owner of John F com? No. Oh, that's too bad. Cause somebody owns it. Um, near as really? I can tell, I think, I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, 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 nobody owns it. All right. So we should, we should get that registered for you. So oh, yeah, right. yeah. Go, go, go quick, quick, quick. Now, how do you, um, now I'm curious with the fiber, how do you check your levels? As most people probably know, at least with a cable modem, uh, there's no level checking with fiber. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. With a cable right. with a cable modem, you can check your your Doxis levels or your levels with the Doxis one nine two dot one six eight dot one hundred dot one. But mm -hmm. no, no, with the, there's no levels to check it. You know, I mean, maybe there are. But I, I have no, I have no access to that. They, they can do it from there. But I mean, it's, you know, it's a fiber string from, from there, whatever okay. you call the head end. But, but you do have a box similar, you know, I, yes. Doxis. I mean, is, is there an IP address you can go to, to see what's happening or no, or no, no, no. no? Okay. I just, I, I log in via PPPOE is how that's currently done. <sighs> mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, there's a, there's the box into which the fiber comes, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. fiber, it, it, it terminates ish on the outside of my house uh, or my office. I actually haven't put it, haven't put it on the office here. So the fiber comes in, it, it, there's a box on the outside and then there's a cable from that box that goes through the wall to another box on the inside. And that box for me anyway, on the inside is the one that obviously has a fiber cable plugged into it, as I said, and an ethernet port and then of course power. Um, and it's a 10 gig ethernet port on the, uh, on the, I think that's the ONT for me, the, the, the outside network terminal, but I, mine is inside, but that sits mm -hmm. fixed to the wall of my office because that fiber cable, you don't want to move, you know, cause if, if you crimp it, like, you know, then you no longer have a signal because mm -hmm. it's fiber. Um, so yeah, that just sits there and, um, and away it goes. So yeah and then and then obviously ethernet they gave me a router which I, I i talked about this on the show they gave me a router to use uh and and i logged into it and i realized they were doing pppoe and it was like okay great i'm gonna try that with my router and see if it works um mm -hmm. they the guy gave me the password i don't know like how I, maybe I was able to get it out of the router. You know, you can click the show, the password hide or show the password button or whatever. So maybe I did that and figured out the login information and put that into mine. And I, I mean, if we're talking now, it's working. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, 
It's been it's been rock solid. I I kept the Comcast for I don't know a month or two after I got the fiber, just because you know I need I rely on my internet here, um, and mm. and it was fine. I didn't put it into failover mode because I I wanted to know when it failed, um, you know, and it it never failed. Uh, there was it never failed completely. There was one day where the entirety of like this area might've been the whole state or more was like the fiber was connected, but it was like super high latency and slow speeds. And I contacted mm-hmm. support and they're like, yes, we are aware we're having a problem. And I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And so I think I did, that was still in my, my dual days. So I switched over to Comcast for the day just to not have to deal with it. And, uh, and then once my neighbors started posting to Facebook, like, hey, everything's working again. It's like, cool, I'll switch back. Mm-hmm. But it was once. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, like like you've experienced, like we, that happens with all, all manner of ISPs time to time. So, yeah, it's fun. It's good. Shall we? Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. All right, cool. But yeah, we got to get you that domain. That would be good. Um, well, then, I mean, buy the domain, attach it to your iCloud account. And Bob's your uncle. That's, I think that's mm-hmm. what they say. I think that's how the, the phrase works. I've, that's the first time I've ever used Bob's your uncle. So you heard it here first. Not, I'm not the first person to use it, obviously. Boy, howdy, people have used it before me. But mm-hmm. that's the first time I've used it. All right. Uh, listener Dave, in the same vein, I know I can find Dave here. Where is he? Oh, that's why I can't find him. Great. Uh, in the same vein. We were talking in the last episode, the very most recent episode, uh, about Apple's new Siri voice music plan. And you were the one that pointed out, John, I couldn't make sense of why they would offer it. But you were the one that pointed out that, wait, you know, maybe this is for the people that have a HomePod and just want to yell at it. And, you know, I'm looking (laughs) at it as to how well the way I use Apple Music you know, I'm I'm I I use a screen and I build playlists and I couldn't imagine, you know, whittling my usage down. And you pointed it out like, well, maybe it's for people that have nothing and want to go up I'm like, ah, hmm, yes. And uh, and listener Dave says, I think I am the perfect target demographic for the Siri voice plan. I've canceled my Apple Music plan previously and then resubscribed and was considering canceling again as I really don't listen to that much music. I'm a very heavy podcast listener uh, and rarely find myself wanting to listen to music as I always have podcasts I want to catch up on. However, I've kept my Apple Music subscription as I do like to listen to a specific song on occasion or simply have some background music play on my HomePod mini in the barn while performing performing barn tasks. This new voice plan is almost the exact use case I have for Apple Music, and it will be keeping me as a subscriber instead of losing me. This will inspire me to save $5 a month, but as I was going to cancel, I was going to actually save $10 a month if they didn't offer this. He says, wait, I think I just got caught, but oh well. <laughs> no, Apple Apple figured out who you are. That's right, man. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be heard, right? So... And I I mean that pun intended, right? Because Siri voice plan heard. So, yeah. Especially when performing barn tasks. Barn tasks. I don't even know what barn tasks are. Maybe you do. We used to have a barn at our house that we owned in Texas. Mm -hmm. We had, um, we were on a little over three acres and it was sectioned off for uh, the front, like three quarters of an acre was just for the house. It was a rectangular plot. And then the back uh, pasture was for, um, we had 
we had a little barn there and, and we had horses. So, um, so yeah, yeah. The, I remember I, you know, that you're a, yeah. Uh, Lisa's a, a horse person. Lisa. Uh, yes. She that. has not ridden. We have not owned a horse in quite some time. We, instead we owned children. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, but yes, she very much so. And, um, when when he's when I was reading his thing about barn tests, I was reminded right after we moved in, the people that had previously owned the house from which we bought it had not had any livestock at all out in the pasture. So it was a little overgrown and the barn was, you know, sort of needed to be cleaned out. There were some old hay bales in there that were probably molded and stuff. So, you know, it was like, OK, you got to clean it up just like when you buy a house, you know, things things happen. Right. It's fine. And she was out there and um, we. She was inside the barn. It was a very small little like shed is probably a better word for it. It was a three sided thing where the horses could get a little bit of shelter, but it was also more a place just to store some stuff. And uh, she was in the back there, uh, you know, probably, you know, using a, a pitchfork or whatever to, you know, throw some hay out or whatever. And she heard this sound, the telltale rattle. And she looked and between herself and the exit was a rattlesnake. Hmm. And uh, they stared at each other for a little while. And, and then the rattlesnake went on its way and Lisa went on her way and it was all good. And then th- then we learned a hard lesson, John. And this is definitely a tangent here, uh, as if we weren't already on one. That same very night, we had in, been invited by our new neighbors to an ice cream social. They had made some ice cream in their, you know, whatever. They had a thing and they made ice cream and it was like, cool. So we all get together and we're chit-chatting and getting to know each other or whatever. And, uh, you know, they were we were in Austin, but we were, well, we were in Buda, which is just outside of Austin. About 20 minutes outside of Austin, so not very far. And... um you know, we were we were Yankees. Right. And and so uh, and this was definitely, you know, ranch country, farm country out there, especially at the time. I think it's grown a little bit since then. But um, she told this story and they stopped. And one of them was like, but you killed the rattlesnake. Right. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I stayed far away from that rattlesnake and let it go. And they were furious with us. All of them. I've never in my life felt shunned like I was that at, that is the last time those speak people spoke to us. Like we, we stayed there for another five or 10 minutes or whatever. And, but like they pretended like we weren't there because they were pissed that we had not killed this rattlesnake. That's clearly wandering around through effectively what is a shared field of ours. I mean, we know where the property lines are, but the rattlesnakes don't care. Right. And so they were furious that we had not killed this thing. Um, and that was it. I've never talked to those people, uh, since then hmm. we lived there for another two and a half years or whatever, before we wound up moving back up to new England. And, uh, yeah, they were, they, they just had no interest in us. I mean, wow. I'm sure, I'm sure if we had a problem or something, you know, some sort of emergency, they would have obviously, you know, helped us out or whatever, but they just had no interest in who we were. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, the rattlesnakes just trying to make a living, you know, uh, I guess like all of us. Yeah, I guess. All right, should we do more of this tech stuff here, John? Sure. Brad uh, on YouTube posted a comment and a question uh, on on our YouTube thing. So go subscribe to us at uh, youtube.com slash Podcast because um, we're doing a lot of fun stuff over there. But, you know, we live stream these, these shows. And Brad uh, commented on our coverage of the 
uh, Apple event. He says, if you probably found out by now, fast charge via USB-C port is not available uh, and there is no fast charge capable cables anyway outside of the USB-C to MagSafe 3 cable that comes with the uh, with the new Mac Pros. And I so I dug into this because I thought during the show we were getting some feedback from all of you at live.macgeekup.com that that was not entirely the case. And so I did some digging and I found an article at The Verge that talks through all this. It also talks about how Apple's 140 watt charger is Apple's first uh, GAN charger, their first gallium nitride charger. Uh, but I've, I've distilled it down and I think I've got this right after sort of reading through all this and sifting through it all. The 67 watt power adapter included with the base model 14 inch. So the eight core 14 inch will not fast charge anything. Okay. So that let's get that out of the way. But then the, the larger one, the 90, I think there's a, it's a 97. And then obviously the 140 will fast charge with a couple of caveats on the 16 inch MacBook pro. Any model of 16 inch can only be fast charged with the USB-C to MagSafe 3 cable. So you have to fast charge over the MagSafe 3 port. You still can charge it over the Thunderbolt USB 4, USB-C ports, but mm -hmm. not the fast charge that Apple talked to us about. Mm. However, the other asterisk <laughs> is that the 14-inch MacBook Pro can be fast charged with MagSafe or Thunderbolt slash USB-C ports, uh, as long as it's not the 67 watt power adapter. So put that in your hopper and smoke it. Um, yeah, that's kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the, the MacBook pro that I ordered is the 14 inch 10 core model. Um, M one pro, not M one pro max or no, not M one max. Sorry. I didn't mean to say pro max, uh, but, but the, uh, and, and so that one comes with the 97, whatever power adapter, uh, and that should fast charge on whatever, but you know, these are, I, I'm curious to now, now I have another question. See, I don't have all the answers. We can, we never will have all the answers. My question is, is there something special about Apple's power adapters? Like, are they using USB power delivery 3.1 or whatever? Is there a different standard that allows it to, to have this fast charge requested of it? And would a third party adapter work with this? And if so, what spec does that third party adapter have? These are the questions we will answer for you in a future show. But I think there's something about like, I think that's that power delivery 3.1 or something, but we need to dig into that. So we'll get there. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the comment, Brad. It's good stuff. Craziness, John. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, all right. One more follow up from uh, the, any thoughts on that before we, before we move on to uh, no Scott. Okay. <laughs> So uh, one more follow-up from the Apple event. Scott says, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Faster M1 chips? Nice. Faster M1 notebooks? Okay, I understand. But some of us like desktop machines. Big machines with bigger displays. Sure, Apple has an M1-based 24-inch iMac, but what about the Apple Silicon 27-inch or larger iMac? I have a 27-inch 2014 where USB ports stopped working. I don't know why, but whenever I connect, a USB port doesn't get power. I'm saved by the fact that I have a Synology, et cetera, et cetera. But I would love to get a 27-inch Apple Silicon Mac, and it seems like it's time. 
Uh, he says, uh, I don't want a capable Intel iMac for Apple to pull Rosetta out from under me in two to three years. I went down that road. I want Apple Silicon for my next computer. Now Apple gives me laptops. I'm not into laptops. I bought an M1 MacBook Pro as an iPad Pro replacement, but I also want something bigger. I want that big screen desktop. Is anyone else disappointed like me? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think I certainly said as much during the the episode that we did like that 27 inch. That's I want that here in front of me right right now in the studio uh, or larger. 30 inch would be fine. I'm not going to be picky. Uh, and I think Apple will get there. I, I think there's two reasons that we haven't seen them yet. One is that more Mac users buy laptops than buy desktops. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, right. And so there is this real push, especially, I mean, there's a, there's a, a desire from the user base, but there's all this, also this push from Apple to be like, we are the pro laptop company, you know, and we, they want to send that message and obviously they're sending it like, it's great. Uh, at the other reason. And so laptops make sense to prioritize. The other reason is that there's a chip shortage. So I, I think, right, right. I, and I think that's gotta have factored in here. So my gut feeling is that obviously we have what we have. Apple has announced these laptops. I think they're going to get through the wave of orders for these laptops. And then we will see, uh, an iMac, whatever, 27 inch plus announced with the same M1 Pro and M1 Max chip options that we have, you know, essentially some version of that with, uh, you know, with with the current MacBook Pros. And honestly, I don't think there will be an event for that. I think that's going to be announced on some random Tuesday with a press release Uh, and Mm. hopefully before the end of the year. Now, that's a lot of predicting for me, for someone who rarely comes on the show and predicts. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But that's my gut. And there might be some wishful thinking in there, too. But, you know, that's OK. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. 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 So for the most part, I, th- I think Apple uses TSMC to make their processors. Are right? they using them to make the SOCs too, the system on the chips for their for the um, M- for the Apple Silicon? Look into that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But no, you're right. Yeah. The chip shortage. I, um, I, th- I think that plays a big role here right now. It, this is that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, you and I speculated. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you, you know, they have one in in the lab. Of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I don't even think they would deny that. They're not going to say it. But uh, of course. Right. They're they're always going to be working. You know, kind of what, what still cracks me up, though, like, you know, the last video that we saw, you know, when, you know, they dropped in on Craig in the lab. Yeah. It's not a real lab. (laughs) (laughs) Like I saw something in the background. There were like, you know, these blinking lights on a panel and stuff. And I'm like, what exactly is that for? Mm. (laughs) That's fair. And I don't think it was for anything except to look impressive. Like, oh, look, they got blinking lights. Das blinking light. Yeah. On On the wall. Yeah. You're probably right about that. Now, what about the lab where we always see Johnny Sruji? Uh, it, it, that mm. seems to be a real lab. At least it looks more mm. real lab like than mm. I don't know. So you know. All right, uh, we have some of your questions. We might even have time for some cool stuff found here. The next thing I want to do is talk about our next two sponsors. If that uh, if that works for you, Mister Braun. Fantastic. 
All right. This fall, as we all get back into the swing of things, Bespoke Post is here with a new seasonal lineup of must-have box of awesome collections. So Bespoke Post, they partner with small businesses and, and other brands to bring unique goods to us every month. I have one on the way, one of their boxes. I, I haven't gotten it yet. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what they've put in my box, but you get to choose, right? They they ask you some of your preferences when you, you take a little quiz when you start out at boxofawesome.com. And then from those, they help, you know, that helps sort of select the box for you. But you can you can choose, right? And you can you can change boxes each month and you can skip a month or skip lots of months if you so choose. It's it's totally fine. It doesn't cost you anything if you don't have a box shipped to you. But things like they've got a stealth box that has like all kinds of cool little things like little gadgets and stuff. A bullseye box that has throwing knives for any skill level. That's amazing, right? Uh, they've got a bitters box if you want to have, uh, you know, to, to add some bitters, craft bitters to your home bar. Like I said, small businesses, unique brands, things like that. A shucked box so that you know how to get your oyster game on. This stuff is pretty cool. And it's free to sign up. Like I said, you can skip a month or cancel anytime. And each box costs only 45 bucks, but it has over $70 worth of gear inside. Sometimes even over $100 worth of gear inside, depending on, you know, obviously which box you get. Because they, they go to these small businesses and they're able to buy in bulk from these businesses, which is great for the small businesses. And then also great for you because you get the deals. So, look, you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. That's just a cool URL. And then you got to enter code MGG at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code MGG for 20% off your first box. And our thanks to Bespoke Post and boxofawesome.com for sponsoring this episode. Look, so many of us experienced financial hardship in the last year, and Upstart can help you regain your footing and get things back on track. Upstart, our next sponsor here, is a super fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, and you get to do it all online. So whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. And Upstart knows that you're more than just your credit score as an expanding access to affordable credit because... Here's the thing. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. Oh, you do this five-minute online rate check, and you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000, and you can get those funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So to find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today, go to upstart.com slash MGG. That's upstart.com slash MGG. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based upon your credit, your income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, that's Upstart dot com slash mgg and our thanks to upstart for sponsoring this episode all right john let's do some questions here uh well bruce found something interesting didn't he yes he did so not so much a question but an observation so bruce says hi guys hello um <laughs> in one of the episode uh recent episode uh, there was some discussion about the future of scripting in Mac OS. Um, uh, let's see. A few minutes ago, I opened pages 11.2, uh, pages being uh, Apple's uh, uh, 
screen word processing word processing thing yeah. uh free and on a personal note actually i i find apple's uh apps uh to do word processing and spreadsheet and stuff like that pretty good <laughs> and that i don't really use office i haven't used office in years anyways um but he opened pages 11.2 and he was greeted with a dialogue box highlighting some of the major feature changes. Um, I clicked on complete features list link and it brought me to a web page that went into more detail about pages 11.2 for the Mac. As I scanned through the document, I spotted the following entry and blah, 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 blah. And one of the entries, surprisingly, Dave, was use Apple Script to change a document password or open password protected documents. Ooh, cue the um, applause. So as you can see, they were implementing additional Apple Script functionality in the current major version of Pages. So I don't think they will be deprecating Apple Script any time in the foreseeable future. Of course, I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times in the past. And, and yeah, you know, Same. we're all wrong sometimes. <laughs> um, and I would agree with him. Um, as as a developer, Dave, though, um, so my reflection on this was, it's not a wise move to totally disable uh, a scripting language, especially one that people have been using for decades at least in the the case of Apple script. I agree. I, I just, I, you know, this is, it feels like the first mention of Apple script in any sort of forward looking communication in a while, but I, but I, I could be misreading things I, I, and I could just be missing things too. So, yeah. Uh. And uh, uh, my read on this is that if anything, they'll deprecate it. They'll say, okay, uh, no more Apple script. From this point forward, but we're not going to break it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for the future, though, I think uh, they've indicated as much that shortcuts is probably the way they're going to be going with uh, all future things. Yeah, and I, I mean, I understand that shortcuts is way more accessible to more people uh, in terms of being able to use it and and just like the. The barriers to entry with shortcuts are super low when you compare it to Apple script, right? It, I feel like shortcuts is delivering on what automator could have done. Not that automator was, was failing, but it, you know, it, there was no automator for iOS and, and it, it never really got the attention that it deserved. I think and so shortcuts really is that right? Cause you're just dragging things in and building in blocks as opposed to with Apple script, quite literally writing code, you know? So although the flexibility of Apple script is still really amazing. So, you know, there is, there is that. So yeah, well, that's, that's great to hear. That's good. I'm stoked. Yeah. Did they really make it clear in their recent presentations? Because so now you have, I mean, of course, you have Xcode, right? Of course. And Swift and all that. And then you have Automator, which is more for users. Yeah, less so now. And then like, there's shortcuts. Automator feels like it's being deprecated. I know they like. Okay. But just because of shortcuts, right? Like they, the two serve 
similar purposes mm. in similar ways. And I know Sal would probably yell at me if he heard me say this and, <laughs> he, and he does hear us do this. So I'll probably get yelled at and that's fine <laughs> uh, because I know I'm wrong, but, but it, you know, if we zoom way, way, way out, right. You know, if we go to like Shatner Heights, uh, then maybe we could, we could agree on that maybe. But uh, so I see shortcuts serving that purpose, but, but yeah, Apple script it is a different thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Shatner Heights. Shatner Heights. He dude. Yeah, he was in he was in space. Captain recently. Kirk got to go to space. This is freaking amazing. Like like that, that it warms the cockles of my heart. I'm I love it. That's like Captain Kirk went to space. You can hate on Jeff Bezos all you want and I mean, and a lot of it's deserved, but he put Captain Kirk into space. So I'm just saying. Just it, saying. It's funny though that it took this long. I mean, he's been uh, virtually in space for, for decades. Correct. Yeah. It is surprising that it took this long. You're right. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Hey, um, sort of as I, I probably should have included this in our section on follow-ups uh, from different episodes about Apple tech and how people use it. Because again, eyes wide open enlightenment moment. Ben writes in, he says, back in uh, in episode 895, you were mentioning that cool stuff found about iBroadcast. And he says uh, you referred to it as a less expensive alternative to subscribing to Apple Music and storing your music in Apple's cloud. However, the solution you quoted, iBroadcast, if you pay for it, costs almost 50 bucks a year. That's true. Uh, it is for three bucks, three ninety nine a month or something like that if you pay for it. it and you only have to pay if you want um to stream or download uh, better than 128k otherwise it's it is truly free so but he's right that if you pay for it uh it's 50 bucks he says instead don't forget apple still offers itunes match for 25 bucks a year that provides this capability separate from all of the other features of apple music so you get your you know i they really should call it iTunes Match with iCloud Music Library or maybe iCloud Music Library with iTunes Match. But they just call it, I call it iTunes Match, I think. But um, but he's totally right. And here's the thing. If you don't need to stream other people's music, and I, I, I'm saying this the wrong way. If you only want to stream music that you own and have in your iTunes library – you can pay 25 bucks a year for iTunes match and that will stream your iCloud music library to your home pod. So if you have a music library that suits you and you don't care to be streaming, you know, other things that you don't own, then instead of paying even just five bucks a month for the Siri, uh, you know, voice plan, you can pay 25 bucks a year sync your library to iCloud and play it on your home pod. So this is, uh, he's right. 25 bucks a year is a good deal for syncing your library to the cloud because it will match it with potentially better quality tracks in the cloud. So, yeah, of course there have been problems with it matching to the wrong tracks that be that as it may. So yeah. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So that might be a good option for you, John, if you, you know, if you don't care to listen to anything you haven't already bought, right, then I, iTunes Match to a HomePod Mini could be magic. Uh, could be. Right? You know. Yeah, I've always 
found Apple's music offerings kind of confusing. <laughs> Do you use iTunes for like or music on on your phone? Uh, not really. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, and, and I asked this question out of curiosity, not in any judgment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen to music all the time. How often do you listen to music? Are you just not someone who listens to music regularly? Um, I mean, I have some stuff. Uh, most of it is l- legacy older stuff yeah. that I rip from my DVDs or, or CDs. Sure. You know, if you know what those are. But of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And I have it stored on my NAS and, and I use uh D-L-N-P, is it? D-L-N-A. D-L-N-A. Okay. Yeah. Right. And I use that to stream stuff to my various devices. Got it. Like even, you know, it's kind of cool. Like even my TV, Dave, I have an LG TV. It shows my Synology as a source of entertainment. And that's I'm like, right. wow, that's pretty smart. Yeah, that's cool. Well, very cool. Because it's using that protocol. Right, um, right. Yeah, it's a standard media streaming protocol. Yeah, it's kind of like Plex Lite. I would call DLNA, but also right to your point, Plex open source ish, right? You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll stream video. It'll stream audio. It doesn't do a lot of the smarts of sort of cataloging your library. Uh, right. Right. But it's, it's there. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So yeah, if that's working for you, yeah. Cool. And then if it's on your Synology, you could, if you wanted to listen to that music on your phone on the go, you could use, mm. um, uh, audio D- DS. Oh shoot. What's the app called? Oh man. How am I screwing this up? Uh, I'm definitely, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you cause this is important. I mean, it's not, but you know, <laughs> as we do this show, it's like, <laughs> uh, DS audio. Is that the name of the app? I, I, I don't know why this, I, my, my brain is failing me. Oh, from Synology. Yeah. yeah I, I, th- I think, I'm yeah, it's D not yeah. The, the app is DS audio. And so you put that on your phone and then you can connect that to your disk station remotely. Mm-hmm. It'll, you know, it'll work fine. And anywhere you are on the planet, you can stream, you can download that, that stuff to your phone. You can listen oh, in sweet. your car. Yeah, man. Yeah. DS audio is great. Yep. Oh, there it is. Yeah. DS audio. I yeah. actually have it on my phone. See? DS audio would like to use Bluetooth. Um, yeah. Cause if, if, if it wants to stream okay. to your speakers or whatever. Sure. All right. Yeah. I'll play with that later today. yeah all right we'll put a link to that in the show notes i don't know why I, I i didn't think that ds audio was was the right app but um but it's the right app yeah cool all right um where are we here let's yeah let's answer kenny's question sure it's this is this is actually this is an interesting one john i don't know that we're gonna have an answer for this but i i have some ideas he says uh I take five mile walks or runs around my neighborhood on a daily basis. I live in a moderately dense population suburb, but certainly not a highly congested urban environment. I had Beats Pro earphones, which I used to listen to mostly podcasts on my outdoor walks and runs. I started having a problem with brief audio dropouts, which would last from one to, say, five or six seconds. Thinking maybe my Beats had seen better days, I bought a new pair of Beats Studio Buds to replace them. Then, sure enough, similar dropouts. I should point out that the dropouts never occurred at home with either pair of headphones. I called Apple support. They suggested it might be the iPhone attempting to connect to Wi-Fi networks in the homes I was passing by. That made sense. 
So I started shutting off the Wi-Fi on my phone while I walked outside. That was no problem as my Pocket Cast app downloads podcasts overnight. So I had no need to stream. It seemed to help a bit, I think, but it was still getting I was still getting dropouts, albeit less frequently, maybe. I also seemed to notice that the dropouts happen at the same points along my path frequently, but not always. Do you think maybe my iPhone is trying to connect with Bluetooth devices in the homes along my route or perhaps with passing cars? If that's the case, I guess I'm sunk because obviously shutting off the Bluetooth on the phone is a non-starter. Maybe you've heard of similar problems from other listeners or experienced it yourself. In any event, it's annoying, and I'd appreciate your sharing any experiences, advice that you might have. Yeah, man, we want to solve this for you because we want any dropouts you hear when listening to Mac Geekab to be our fault, uh, not the fault of your environment. <laughs> and we try, we strive not to have any of those either, but, you know, things happen. So these are bizarre circumstances, John, and I, I find it like the fact that it happens in the same locations has me has me cogitating, John. And, I, you know, I'm wondering if this is Wi-Fi causing the interference. I know he's turned off Wi-Fi on his phone, but his neighbors houses who he walks by have not turned off Wi-Fi. Right. And since both Bluetooth and Wi-Fi operate in the 2.4 gigahertz range and can certainly compete uh, with each other, make maybe that's it, or 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 maybe like his neighbor uh, has set up like a secret microwave antenna uh, and is broadcasting government secrets, yes. right to, to mm-hmm. some satellite somewhere. I mean, anything that's operating at two point four could theoretically get in the way. So maybe one of your neighbors got a new like super hoopty mesh system at, that is targeting their front yard, at, you know, that you're walking past, and that could cause this. I mean, it would need to be a lot, but I, it could be. I don't know. Um, what you could do. All right, so here's a suggestion for for uh, for Kenny is maybe um get a uh, uh spectrum monitor, if you will, like eye stumbler or something. Um, in the area where you have this happen. Set up, uh, uh, I don't think there's anything really great on iOS to do this. So you may want to do this on your Mac. But yeah, something like iStumbler in this area where you have weird things happen. And and just see what is in the neighborhood. I, I would suspect that there's probably, I mean, 2.4 is is loaded with all sorts of things. Like you I think you pointed out microwave ovens and then all sorts of things. I mean, it, it's really crowded. Uh, so that's, that's going to be my guess. Uh, yeah. Okay. So is, is there's just too much stuff in a certain area that you're going through where it, it interrupts the stream. It shouldn't, but it does, but it does. <laughs> right. It, exactly. It, exactly. So there is one, exactly one Wi-Fi scanner available for the iPhone and it is called, Airport utility. Ah, yes. But there's a trick. You have to go into settings, airport utility. At the mm. bottom of that page, there is a Wi-Fi scanner slider. And yes. so you have to turn that on. And then when you go launch airport utility, you will see in the upper right a Wi-Fi scan button. Mm. And if you tap that, you can say scan. 
and uh, and it will start scanning for Wi-Fi networks, and it's going to start showing you all of mine. Oh, look at that! Yeah, so I I think that's the the key there, and so you you can see uh, RSSI, which is the signal strength of that, and mm-hmm. the closer to zero it is, so it's listed as a negative number. It's listed in negative dBm. Mm-hmm. The the closer to zero that number is, the stronger the signal. So take a look. And I it, I believe, I'm looking at mine here. I believe it is sorting by, uh, yeah, it's constantly resorting every second and probably chewing my battery. Um, but it's constantly resorting every second by the most powerful signal at the top. So I would definitely like leave Wi-Fi on on your phone, Kenny. And when you get to a spot where you're experiencing those dropouts, whip out airport utility and turn on that scan and see what shows up at the top. And then at least you'll know. I don't, I mean, it, you know, so like mine, I'm here in my office. I have lots of Wi Fi around me and negative 54, negative 52 dBm is what I'm seeing as the sort of peak of it at sorting to the top at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. I don't have any Bluetooth problems here in the office or the house when I use Bluetooth earbuds or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see, and I have l- a lot of Wi-Fi devices here. Like, let's be clear about this. But mm-hmm. you, you also kind of want to look and um, not don't concern yourself with the uh, the five gigahertz devices. So, can we see on the scan when things are? Yeah. So, anything that's channel eleven or lower is two point four gigahertz, and anything that is, you know, in the the forties or hundreds is five gigahertz. Don't worry about the five gigahertz stuff; that's not getting in your way. It's the lower, uh, the lower channel numbers one through eleven that are going to be competing with your Bluetooth. Um, but again, this only shows Wi-Fi devices. It doesn't show Bluetooth devices. It doesn't show microwaves. It, you know, uh, it just shows things that advertise as Wi-Fi access points. So. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you could kick it old school and use wired. Yeah. <laughs> earphones. That's or true. headphones. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Right. That's the other answer to that. I mean, that kind of sucks for, you know, given the world we live in, that kind of sucks, but you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Uh, we're in geeky stuff. Let's stay in geeky stuff, John. Let's revisit um, this whole touch ID with sudo at the terminal thing because we got some. We got a comment about that from. Uh, actually, we've got a couple of comments about that, but uh, I'll let you take Neil here. Okay, uh, Neil says, "Gentlemen, hmm. I don't know who he's talking to. to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it went to the wrong address, man." <laughs> On the last episode of MacGab, you talked about setting up Touch ID authorization for pseudo commands in the terminal and discussed editing crontab for this purpose. As I know you know, uh, okay, um, the cron system is used for executing time schedule tasks and includes the cron daemon, cron d, and is configured via text files called crontabs, which exist on a system-wide and per-user basis. Cron has nothing to do with user authentication or authorization, however. The system that controls this is pluggable authentication modules. I didn't know that. Or PAM. Uh, 
which is also a spray. Um, Pam is configured via text files, which on macOS live in slash ACT slash Pam dot D. And the one that controls pseudo's authorization is called etc pam.d sudo. There's plenty of online documentation to learn the ins and outs of configuring PAM, but to enable touch ID authorization for sudo commands, add to this file as the first line the following auth sufficient PAM underscore TID.so. And when you issue a sudo command from the terminal, you will be prompted to authenticate via touch ID. Okay. He's right. He's right. The reason that uh, I think it was Elisa in the in episode eight ninety four that uh, suggested we use sudo uh, or we use crontab to do it is because that file Etsy uh, pam dot slash sudo is potentially overwritten during software updates mm. because Apple's not expecting us to muck with that file, and so cron was being used to on upon each reboot, see if that line was in the file and if not add it. So it was a script mm-hmm. that was running, uh, it, you know, and we were using, she was using cron to automate it to check, to see if that needed to be there. And if it, if it did, it would go put it in. So it was, it, that was sort of a, a backup. Neil is absolutely right. And, and if you want to mess with this on your own, that is a way to do it. And it's a simple way to do it. However, we've heard more on this. Um, Listener Steven wrote in and wrote a forum post for us, for us, which I'll link to where he said, he said, you know, this proposed method, he says, I was discussed. I looked it over and the proposed proposed method is, in his opinion, extremely dangerous because it overwrites Etsy PAMD sudo with something that is not guaranteed to be correct in future Mac OS versions. If Apple makes a change, you could potentially make it impossible to sudo by any means. And he's not wrong. I think the chances of it are rare, but they're not out of the realm of possibility. Instead, he says it's better to use something not as cool. Uh, this solution is as follows. And he recommends writing a shell script that does this and and scans for it and then does what Neil says uh, and just adds it to that line. And then you can you can run that shell script from the cron tab so that it runs on each reboot. And it's a very simple thing that he's put together here, especially given the instructions that he has provided. So I will leave those instructions there uh, and just link to them because he did a great job with it. And it's uh, this. Yeah, it's great. So, so there is that, but it, it effectively, it does exactly what Neil is saying. It, this just automates that part of it on top of that listener. Dan wrote in, uh, uh, reacting to the same topic. And he said, uh, when I heard the tip from, uh, L, sorry, I said it was Elisa. It was L about using touch ID to authorize sudo. I immediately checked if I could use my Apple watch to authenticate as I don't have a touch ID keyboard. It turns out I can using an open source Pam module, uh, as noted on this, uh, acrobat.com, A-K-R-A-B-A-T.com. And we'll put that link in the show notes too. And, uh, and they have instructions for doing it. Dan says their instructions were not entirely complete for him. Uh, and so he's going to post some more detailed instructions in that same forum thread. So it'll all be there, but, uh, but yeah, this makes sense now. So we have this, uh, what did Neil call it? Personal authentication modules, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
there's many ways to authenticate yourself. Obviously, we have Touch ID as one of them. We have Apple Watch as another. I'm surprised Apple Watch, we need to load a, a third-party module, an open-source module to mm. do that because I can authenticate with my Apple Watch to do like software updates and things like that, which is effectively the same thing. So I wonder if if the third-party module is needed, if, if there isn't already an Apple module there somewhere. But um, but you know we'll we'll find out. But yeah, this is uh, I love this. This is it. This is the geeky stuff I live for, folks. We all live for it. It's how it works here at Mac Geek Gab Central. I don't know. Is that is that what we have? Mac Geek Gab Central. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, fun. All right. Well, that um, that brings us to the end. We don't have uh, we don't have any time for any more cool stuff found. But there's been lots of cool stuff found, and you know what that means is it means that. We have cool stuff found to talk about next week, but it also means that this cool stuff that I have sitting right next to me here that I want to use for show and tell, I need to leave here for another week and I can't start using it because I want to show it to all of you, but that's just going to be how it is. So thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening, folks. It's good stuff. Yeah, I don't know. You got anything to add, Mr. Braun? Not at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well there's stuff in the pipeline. There's stuff. There's always stuff in the pipeline. That is, it's been fantastic. Seriously, like you folks put stuff in the pipeline for us. We put stuff in our pipelines too, obviously, uh, because we all like to contribute here. But but you folks contribute as much as, if not more, than than John and I do, and uh, it's amazing. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for that. It's awesome. Yes. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we got. Make sure to go check us out on YouTube. As I said, slash youtube Oh, sorry. Yeah, you know what? MacGeekGab.com slash YouTube. I will make that link work just like John's going to go register as JohnFBron.com domain. So there you go. We have, oh, our, right. we have our tech tips or our tech uh, homework, I should say, for after the episode is over and before it gets published. Because not that any of you would steal this domain out from underneath Mr. John F. Braun, but, you know, because we're not like that. We don't do that to each other here. The Mac Geekab family is cool about things like that. But, you know, somebody might stumble across this that's not yet a part of the family. Mm-hmm. And if they're not fully, you know, in, engaged, they might they might make a misstep. We don't want that to happen. I actually had a Google. At one point I had, I think, John F. Braun at Google.com. Sure. Dude, you would not believe how much oh, I would. garbage I got there. I have Dave Hamilton <laughs> at gmail.com. And uh, and it is the thing is I was getting stuff so there's a John F Braun who's uh, an educator so I would get like emails like oh my homework's gonna be late or can I delay it and I'm like yeah yeah sure whatever sure <laughs> that sounds great yep yeah I, a realtor um, uh, apparently there's a realtor out there in the world called John F Braun so I would get you know statements or, or you know like quotes for buying a house and stuff and I'm like. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yep, I'm in. No, I get I get banking stuff sent to Dave Hamilton's all around the world. Uh, it's wonderful. So my Dave Hamilton, you can, you're welcome to email it if you like. Uh, DaveHamilton at gmail.com. It will get to me, but the first thing it does is triggers an auto response to you saying, you didn't reach the Dave Hamilton you were looking for. Now, in this case, it would be wrong if you were doing that. And then, so, of course, there was the whole TSA fiasco, but... Uh, we that's different. That now. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I evidently <laughs> apparently share... there's a bad guy in the world named Dave Hamilton, a formerly bad guy because he's a former Irish terrorist. Um, <laughs> and so I was on because I shared a name with him, but not a middle initial and not a birthday. 
Uh, Pre-TSA, I would always get the 4Ss on my boarding pass. It's a pain in the neck. Mm -hmm. So I have one of those TSA, the much-coveted TSA redress numbers, just for me and me alone. So that was fun. All right. Uh, Yeah, go check out our sponsors. Of course, you can learn all about our sponsors at MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. Uh, that's where everything is going to be listed. And then, of course, our sponsors from this episode, Otherworld Computing with their Envoy Pro SX at MaxSales.com. Quip, where you can get your first refill for free on this smart toothbrush at GetQuip.com slash MGG. Upstart.com slash MGG, where you can uh, get a personal loan and find out all about that. And, of course, BoxOfAwesome.com, where code MGG gets you 20% off your first box. Fun stuff. All right, John. Well, you got us into this mess. I'll help us out uh, while we're out there doing our tech tips and our, I call them tech tips. There are tech to do's is what they are. Our tech homework. We need to make sure that we are careful with each letter that we type because we want to make sure that we don't get caught. Made up. 